Powered by Sports Interaction. Get Sportsbook. Hello, Oilers fans. Welcome back to Game Over Edmonton. I'm Zach, and I'm joined by my friend and someone who I went to university with, went to journalism school for four years in Calgary. One of my fellow Oilers fans, the only Oilers fan that I know that actually lives behind enemy lines as well. Um, his name's Eric Tanner. He, you know, writes for the Calgary Journal, does a number of stuff. But beyond that, he's a huge Oilers fan, and he's going to join me today on the broadcast. Today was the tale of two teams. What a fantastic end to the game. What a scary start. If that, uh, Eric, can't hear you for some reason here. Oh, oh there we am go. Am I good now? Yeah, there okay, we go. Sounds good. Yeah, we're all, we're all set now. But yeah, what a scary start to that game. And the problems that we saw for the last, you know, over the course of the entire season seemed to have persisted. There was no consistency. There was no meshing. The decision-making was very questionable. And they could not buy a goal for the life of them, no matter how many chances they create, even though they didn't look so good. But the fortunes changed. I don't know who sacrificed the lamb at the second intermission, but they came out. You get points from guys who aren't McDavid and Drysaddle. You get legitimate depth scoring Evan Bouchard with positive regression to the moon two goals and the Oilers come back to win Campbell did he look shaky I think so but solid where he needed to be got the help from the brick wall Jeremy Kupal two goals called back argue with the wall those learn the rule book those deserve to come back and the Oilers win a crazy matinee game four to three uh, yeah, so Eric, I'm going to get your thoughts on that, but before we get into all that and more, uh, I'm just going to give a message from our friends at Sports Interaction. Think you know what the way is going to go? Make your bet with Sports Interaction. Whether it's the World Cup, hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all that sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus, please play responsibly. All right, Eric, what are your thoughts on that crazy game? Okay, that has to be the biggest roller coaster of a game since the playoffs of last year. I was I was written this off. I was thinking about all the negative things that I had to say. All of my notes, basically through the first two periods, there were a couple of parts where I was like, oh, yeah, I guess he had a good play there. You know, I think Bush is having a decent game. And, oh, it was rough. After that first goal, I was like, oh, it's one of those games. It's another Oilers matinee game where they just can't get it going fast. And that's what buries them early. Well, But, yeah. you know, some, some things keep you in. Like you said, I think despite the amazing games that guys like Fogle and Bouchard, yes, uh, Holloway with his first goal, McLeod with two oh, assists, yes. three all points, the, all three the points great things McLeod. that those guys have, I that doesn't get you the win unless you have those two early calls that get called back. That was some phenomenal video review, and I'd give the I'd give them the honorary first star of tonight's game, despite the fact that there are a lot of stars that shown tonight. Oh yeah, the Oilers absolutely got lucky in that regard. Like it, Panarin beat. Campbell clean on the power play with that goal, right? The penalty kill wasn't fantastic by any means, but you got the breaks, you you earned breaks, you got those breaks, and you ended up making the Rangers pay. The Rangers have had a similar season to the Oilers so far where their fans have not been happy. They made it to the conference finals last year, and it's been they've been off to a slow start this year, but they have at least, I think they're a little bit more above 500. They have a couple OT losses, whatnot, so they have a little bit more uh, to, to stand on. 
we were at a point where if the Oilers would have lost today, if the result from the second period on helped, they would have been below 500. Edmonton would have been burnt down. I After last game, Fire Ken Holland was trending. There were so many questions. I was questioning everything. I was ready to completely jump out of a window. But you <laughs> saw a shift in their play. I think where it started, where I noticed it, is with three minutes, three minutes left in the third period. Ryan McLeod goes in, and Ryan McLeod so far this year has been the king of flybys. He skates awesome. He has fantastic puck skills. He has great offensive instincts. But where he lacks is when it comes to board play, establishing a forecheck, getting the puck in deep, all that kind of stuff, right? When oh, yeah. a defenseman gets the puck and McLeod, he, McLeod chips it in, and unless he can recover it with speed ahead of the defenseman, and the defenseman gets it, McLeod is going to you know swing his stick at him, do a circle, go back to start playing defense, whatever. But McLeod, it was, I want to say it was Brendan Schneider. He gets the puck and McLeod goes for a hit on him. That's a turnover. And I can't remember if it was Jesse or Barry or whoever, but they got a chance off a shot. And that's where you saw, that's where you saw the feet start moving, the forecheck get established. And, and they actually, the, the table turns, they weren't just standing still. You move on to the second period where the Oilers came out so much better. It, today was another game where there was another slow start. You let the first goal in, you take the first penalty once again. But back to what I was saying, you get to the you get to the second period, the forecheck gets pushed up by 10 notches. Fogel, Costin, McLeod looked awesome. You put Holloway on that line. They must have moved Costin off. I don't think I heard them say it on the yeah, broadcast. I didn't, I didn't see Costin very much at all in the third period at all. But yeah. I mean, I'm not complaining. Holloway looked electric today. And I think that if Fogel's not injured, that's got to be the third line going forward. Oh, totally. And of course, Fogel's starting. This is probably the best stretch of games I'd argue Fogel's played in an Oilers jersey like these last five games, right? And of course, 100%. another toe pick and another just phantom injury. I don't know what's going on with the equipment manager this year. Whatever. That's a story. That's another point for another day. But overall, like when you get that depth scoring, it just completely changes the entire complexion of this roster. Because for the first... I don't know why this happens. Every year we see it. McDavid and Drysdale get out to these 160-point pace starts where they're scoring three, four, five points a game, and the Oilers are winning these awesome, crazy games. And then, you know, it dries up because they're human, and, and they are fantastic, but it does dry up, right? And Yeah, you can only play, like, 25 minutes a game so often early in the season. Yeah, I know. And, and, and teams key on you. Teams get established. You get up to, you know, mid-season form. And then... For the Oilers to not get any depth scoring, their depth scoring up until this game has been worse than any year that McDavid has been on the team. It has been decade of darkness level bad. Derek Ryan and Fogel. Fogel got his three goals when he was playing with Drysidle. Derek Ryan had three goals. McLeod had three goals in his first six games, and then that was it. There was quite literally nothing. You're missing Yamamoto. You're missing Kane. But those injuries also they shouldn't they shouldn't derail your entire season. And I think there was an adjustment period and there still is an adjustment period. By no means is this a fixed, uh, a fantastic team all of a sudden because they came back to beat the Rangers. There's still major red flags. We'll mm -hmm. get into them in a bit. Um, but you can see, and I say this every broadcast, you can see when they forecheck and they move their feet. I, I sound like I'm just a hockey bot that someone programmed on Twitter, but the two key things, skating and forechecking. The two penalties they took early were because they weren't moving their feet. You see Yanmark. 
he gets a lazy slashing call or hooking call. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was, mm-hmm. he's trying to play defense. He wasn't skating and he gets caught. Dry settle, trying to back check. Slash, you can argue if he was more just irritated, whatever. Was it a little bit of weak call? Yeah, but he still took it. And again, if he's skating, that doesn't necessarily happen. I can't remember. It says there's three penalties. Can't remember what who took the third one. They weren't moving but, their feet. Um. Yeah. What What are your thoughts on the penalties? What are your yeah, thoughts I, on how they're playing defensively as well? Hello. I think you're frozen. Can everyone in the chat? Um. I. I gotta there. say, there um, the penalties were very, especially Yanmark's penalty and Drysdale's penalty, penalty very undisciplined, very rough. But I gotta say, the penalty kill for some reason has been stepping up to play after we've been what we were 29th in the league coming into today. Yeah, and all of a sudden, that like what the penalty kill has kind of been on. I don't, I don't know what it is about it. Maybe it's the McDavid going on playing with Drysdale. I was gonna ask, what do you think about four. that? That's fun. That's awesome. I love it's, that. It's fun. I don't know how long-term sustainable it is, but that is, I love watching it. It's all, it's basically just like, you get them on a four on four, they are the most destructive guys in the league. So, I mean, why not try it when they've got more ice time, even if you're the one missing the guy? Oh yeah, they were, they were dangerous. They were, McDavid and Drysaddle were, uh, they were dangerous tonight. It's not like they weren't effective. McDavid definitely had a few giveaways, even in the last minute, he had one giveaway where if they go, Rangers did score, I know he would have been hearing it for some fans. But, um, and that's something that they think the team needs to, to tighten up. So here, uh, let me ask you this. We, we, we've been complaining over the last 20 games about the defensive plan. Again, by the defensive play tonight was by no means perfect. Is it, oh, do you think, first. yeah, do you think it's the six defensemen and it's just a matter of having guys in the wrong role? Or is it like a five-man unit team defense that needs to change? Like, like, what do you see as the defensive issues for this team? Because they're still there. Oh, they're they're very. Uh, I'm still here. Yeah, uh, they're very. Uh, they're very easy to get. I see it in tweets. I see it everywhere all the time. Where the right side is very. It's not confrontative. Basically, you can walk around them pretty easily, especially with guys like Barry who don't really have that speed. And then you come in today. I think a big issue, like people, I can't remember who brought it up. Broberg in the first period where he basically just got walked around and that's where the first goal came from. I think he kind of tight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think he kind of pulled it together a little bit. I think he had a better game as the game went on. I don't think he was unplayable throughout the entirety, but but, he only played 10 minutes tonight. So Mm -hmm. that's less than I want to say Nima Linen played in his last game. I can't say uh, Jay Woodcroft was probably overly impressed after that first goal went in. To be honest, this is another thing that I did want to get, uh, get your opinion on. The defensive pairings coming into the game. Do you think? Uh, I think Broberg was on the ice with Bouchard when the first goal went in. Believe so. Uh, I know in warmups that they had uh, Broberg going with Barry. Uh, do you like? How did that happen? What do you think of that pairing? Would you keep the pairings the way they were tonight? Would you switch them up? For me, I think Nurse and Cece has not been working for a while now. I want Nurse and CC split up so bad. Like you saw, and I think it was the second goal the Rangers scored. CC, I don't know if he lost the puck or got out muscled, but Darnell Nurse ends up looking everywhere, go skating out to no man's land. You have two guys on the right side, no one's on the left side, and the guy uncontested by within like 10 feet uh, scores the goal. I, I think Darnell Nurse and Cody CC have been struggling for a while. The problem is, on the right side, you essentially have two guys who, one guy is 22 years old and 
you expect him to grow and he's a, a sophomore and he, he needs he needs to grow his game but you you can allow for the hiccups in his game Tyson Berry though is I want to say 30 plus years old and he is what he is and he's not getting any better if anything he's getting worse what would you do for, for the defensive parents going forward well, I, I don't think you can at any point have Barry anywhere above the third pairing at this point. He's proven time and time again that when it's not on the power play, and even so, he got outclassed on the power play, I'd say, by Bouchard mm -hmm. today. Like, Barry just gets caved in super easily. He'll have a good game every once in a while, but those are far outshadowed by the times where he's not able to get the puck out of the zone or anything along those lines. Yeah. He's 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 in, he's a negative way more than he is a positive, right? For everything he scores offensively, he gives up double in the defensive end, so it, it doesn't really matter. I see Dark Fighters in the chat says Broberg and Bush was the pairing they wanted when they drafted, and they're still young, and 100%. I totally agree. And if this team were in a completely different situation, I would say, yeah, absolutely, let them grow, whatever. Broberg is, I think at the end of this year, if Broberg doesn't stick, he moved from prospect to suspect because you were drafted three years ago now, right? Like You better stick. Mm -hmm. Guys that are, I, I want to say Brendan Schneider, the Rangers defenseman who was way more noticeable than Broberg tonight, was drafted in the same draft. I might be wrong. But um, yeah, no, overall, those guys need to pick it up. I think Broberg, you know, when you come back into the lineup and you've been injured and up and down and had a bad training camp, you might start slow. Let's give him five to ten games if this is the path that we're going with philip broberg number six left defenseman for the entire year let's to before we make like a, a true judgment on him if it was up to me i would move him yesterday for an actual piece that can help this team win now because i don't i don't understand why we're waiting for broberg to develop with you know mcdavid and dry settle on the contracts that they're on um i mean apparently he's untouchable yeah it drives me nuts like i i how? How is Philip Broberg your untouchable? Like, I understand you picked him, but how can you be so stubborn? And I see pe more and more people are want Ken Holland to go, let's 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 address that for a second. What do you think of everyone calling for Ken Holland's head? Even after the win today, they're still doing it. Oh, I, I think I'm with it. At this point, like he's got one year left on the uh, on the on his contract, right? How what has he gotten that's really solidified this defense. He got Barry the one year, the prove it deal. I think that was a great move. Signing Barry for the three years after has done nothing but kneecap this team. Well, so, so let me just say something about that. I think that in the idea at the time, either I can't remember if Holland said him himself. I think he did. It was Tyson Barry was brought in to replace Oscar Kleffbaum on the power play. They're different shots. He was never going to place, replace Oscar Kleffbaum 5-on-5. Five five. He's never close to the player Oscar Kleffbaum was. Mm -hmm. But Minus the Clefbaum. prove it deal was fine in an isolated instance, you you Barry comes in, he shows that he can still put up points. He goes signs a you know a boatload contract, an anchor contract with like Nashville or something after the season. You get you get your you get to benefit off Barry's production, and Barry gets to make a boatload of money. But the Oilers are constantly victims of their own pump and dump scheme. Uh, like back in like the uh, mid you know like 2012, the Vancouver Canucks would always. Put a player who they wanted to trade on a line with Daniel and Hendrick Sedin, let him pile up the points and <laughs> ship him off for nothing. And they did that with Cody Hodgson when they traded him for Zach Cassian back in 2012, right. right? The Oilers always fall victim to their own pump and dump schemes. They take these guys, they put them with McDavid, and they're like, oh, wow, what production? Oh, we, we got to keep that. That can never be replaced. They, they fell for it with Zach Cassian. They fell for it. They fell for it constantly, right? And Patrick Maroon, they tried to fall for it, but... You know, they were bad, so they traded them. But it, yeah. they're constantly victims of that whole pump and dump thing. So uh, Tyson Berry is someone that I think 
I, he just doesn't work. I don't care how mm-hmm. good this team is. He he needs to play so out of his mind, and I don't think he's cons- capable of doing it consistently over an eighty-two game period in the playoffs. Uh, the last two couple of years, he's been fine. But like, let's let's go back and look at this game. What did you think when after after the second period? What were, what were you thinking? Oh, so the second period, I thought that that was like that was like a prelude to an utter collapse over the next couple of games where you have just such a strong period. You've got the bounces going your way. Your four check is relentless and it's just not going in. Just playing on his head and nothing is just nothing goes in. And then the, the two goals within 30 seconds. Oh, as soon as that one banked in off of Campbell, I was like, it's, it's done. I could not see any, any way that the Oilers came back today. I did not because I just didn't have the confidence in the depth. And then lo and behold, Ryan McLeod comes in here, plays his best game in probably weeks. I think it's his best game as an oiler. Three points. Oh, I you know what now that you say that, I might have to agree with you. Despite not actually getting a goal himself, I, I know he was originally credited for three assists. I think he only ended with two. Oh, okay. but he, he was he was great today. Holloway was relentless on the puck just constantly always around the play even though he only had the one goal i believe like he was this i think louis said he was like a great screen on the first one or mm-hmm. the second one yeah. whichever one boost scored he was a great screen there he was playing great and i think this is finally him getting his confidence back after getting his head rattled from that suicide pass well you see holloway has shown the skill consistently the problem has been he's had unlucky mistakes he's had horrible breaks he's had every giveaway that the guys had has ended up in the back of the net right in the neutral zone he, the, and also another thing that he's constantly his what who are his most common linemates brad malone Derek ryan devon shore i don't care if you're connor mcdavid he, he, that's not a recipe for success so to see him come out ryan mcleod i know we ragged up we we're people were ragging on him a little earlier but we, we all know he is the skill to succeed he can create uh fogel as much as he can be frustrating he has the skills to compete he's like a i want to call him like a drunk zach hyman the way he just like wobbles around but he's really good on the four check makes no sense he's been great lately not taking anything away from him but i may have to steal that that's a great one (laughs) but you know yeah dylan holloway was awesome like i just want to see holloway play consistently i think the thing for holloway what i was thinking about before kind of he, he he definitely gets is more physical than Ryan McLeod. Holloway is if like he's the guy who I, I, he needs to put on five to ten pounds of muscle. He just got he's got to grow and just get that man strength, which will come as he grows. And you'll be able to see he won't get stripped so so easily on the boards. He'll be able to win a lot more board battles. He's in those situations constantly, and I think he's just it's it's like a combination of inexperience and just being young and all that kind of stuff. Why he's losing them. But you see the raw skills. Like, the shot that beat Shesterkin was a bullet. How many chances did he have in a game against Chicago, like, throughout the season, where he's come so close to scoring? This has got to be a shift. The Oilers have been PDO'd to death. Everyone from Bob Stauffer on the broadcast to everyone on Twitter can see. The Oilers have been letting everything in, and their on-ice shooting percentage has been a joke. And then in the third period, you see Evan Bouchard, who is one of the highest volume shooting defensemen on the team, who's been so unlucky. People were giving him the shin pad assassin name a little while oh, ago, right? Oh, I'm so mad at that. Especially because, like, I, I kind of remember Barry hitting quite a few more shins than he did. I think, and Bouchard brings way more than just a shot from the point. Oh, yeah. Barry. He, his breakout passes are elite. His, where he struggled this year has been in the defensive zone. A lot of people want to attribute that to Duncan. Well, well here, I'll, let me ask you this. A lot of people attribute Bouchard's defensive zone struggles to Duncan Keith. What do you, not being there, what do you think about that? 
This, these are the same people who last year were trying to run Keith out of town. They're just looking for a scapegoat at this point. Like, Duncan Keith was asinine. He was horrible. Mm -hmm. Just, oh, I there was nothing good about his play. His anchor contract could have totally screwed over the Oilers this year if he hadn't retired. There, like, I, there's been nothing but positives from Keith retiring here. I get you can say his mentorship, but, like, the intangibles aren't going to help you win games like this, especially when he's not even playing. Uh, oh. Yeah, I thought I think Duncan Keith, um, towards the end of last year, got um definitely more steady, and I think he his impact in the room. I'm not in the room, I can't say. I used to not believe in any of that stuff. I definitely think it played a factor. But first, before we go on, let me say there's 60 people watching right now on YouTube. We only have three likes. If you guys could hit that like button, I'd really, really appreciate it. It would mean. A lot to all of us at SDPN who put these on every day. It's pretty much the only marketing we got is the YouTube algorithm. So if you guys could hit that like button, would be a great help. It's an interactive show. You guys are just as much a part of it as we are. But yeah, really appreciate it. Thanks for everyone. Dark Fighters, Warrior Womp, Some Stranger, Jacob, Cam Courtney, um, JSK, everyone for being here today. Um, we we really appreciate it. But yeah, no, as far as the defense goes, I do think, I do think, I know what we've heard is, oh, the Oilers aren't looking for defense, this, that, whatever. We need, we really need, we really, really, really need another defenseman. Like, that oh, is yeah. something I need them to, I need, we need it so bad. Philip Broberg, we can wait for him to mature, but, and I know that's the plan, but when you're in win now with these guys, we, we need, a, we need another defenseman. What did you, mm -hmm. have you heard the, the John Klingberg rumors? I have. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked the Klingberg rumors a bit more when they were get rid of Barry to Montreal with like a double retention. Yeah. But yeah, well, I don't know. Makes no sense. At this point in the season, how you bring, bring in John Klingberg, I don't know who you're moving out unless you're moving him out Barry. If, if you're moving out Barry, why are you bringing in John Klingberg? They're pretty much the same player. Maybe Klingberg's mm -hmm. a little bit better of a skater. That to me Klingberg doesn't move the plus, needle. Yeah. If I'm making a change, I'm making a big change. I'm doing Broberg. I'm doing lottery protecting that first. I'm I'm shipping out. I don't care if Carter Savoy, whoever, bringing in Jacob Chicker. And I know the Oilers oh. are not interested in him, but how big of a complexion shift would that offer on that blue line? And I see whiskey in, in the in the chat say Keith is still staffed by the organization. Totally agree. If that is the if if they're missing Duncan Keith that much. Have Duncan Keith come and be at a guest coach at practice. You literally pay him. Like, l let him be in the room. Let him be around the guys. If he, if he, you're blaming it on Keith, um, yeah, he's around. So he, he did. I, 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 Keith. There is a, a role that we can't overlook with Keith on the ice, especially early in the season. He wasn't that good, but he, he got better over time. And yeah, um, have you seen all the stuff about people talking about canning Jay Woodcroft? Oh. What do you make about I, that? I, I, I have nothing to say about that. That's positive. It, <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah. Like you, you see that what this dude did last year with what is almost essentially the same team mm -hmm. came in here. He got them all working. Sure. There's been like a couple of prospect changes. Like we were talking about Keith is gone, whatever. I don't think Keith was this glue holding together Woodcroft's like magic scheme over here. Keith was able to come in here and he got like guys like Namo line into work when they were out everyone with COVID. Like he he's been such a phenomenal coach. I do not think Woodcroft is touchable at least until mid next season. Oh, yeah. Even if they were to miss the playoffs this year, I don't think Woodcroft is the problem. Woodcroft is not Although the I problem. will say yeah. that uh, 
loading up McDry late in the game, kind of reminiscent of Tippett the past yeah, little yeah, yeah, while. Yeah, Haven't been loving that. But other than that, I've loved everything Woodcroft's brought to the table. Oh, yeah, totally. I th- I don't think Woodcroft's the issue whatsoever. And I even think for the people I wanted to say this earlier, you're talking about firing Holland. Makes no sense to me. And trust me, I was not on board with a lot of Holland's moves. But we've heard when GMs have come in the past, oh, they need the evaluation period. They need this. They need that. They take their time. If a uh, successor to Holland comes in, they're not going to be making any big moves. It's gonna it whether you like it or not, it's gotta be Holland who cleans up the mess. There still is a long way to go. Uh a lot of people have, you know, brought up the schedule as a big issue as to why the Oilers are struggling. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, personally, I cannot stand that narrative because no cup contender can blame schedule and injuries as a lesser to a lesser extent on why they're not successful in the in the hockey league. When Boston was missing, I saw someone tweet this, Boston missing Marshawn and McAvoy. They're still, I know they've had an easier schedule, but they're still one of the top teams in the NHL. When you're a cup contender and you have the two best players in the world, I don't care if you're on a road trip. I don't care. You gotta win. I know there could, maybe there is a shift from, I heard some people saying that the games in the playoffs last year were just so emotionally intense and they gave so much that to come into the season, it's been kind of an over adjustment into playing these non, not as emotional, not as high stakes games and yeah like you don't agree i also thought i was like okay you're professionals like it it shouldn't matter at the end of the day i get one or two you know we always hear about the stanley cup hangover these guys i guess were on a conference finals hangover or something even though they didn't win a game but yeah no overall like let's just take a little bit let we've talked more about the oilers the entire season and that's what we do and i guess when we have guests on but just just kind of tightening up looking back at the game it's funny the Oilers' depth broke out. One guy who still seems like he's struggling in a score on so many chances, especially on this road trip, Zach Hyman. What do you think of Zach Hyman's play today? Yeah, Zach Hyman kind of didn't really appear too much to me. Almost kind of seemed like the invisible kind of uh, kind of forward out there. I know he had some good forechecking moments, but yeah, I think I was I was enjoying Cooley-Arvey on that first line more than when they put him up there in the second. I think Cooley-Arvey had an insanely underrated game today. Mm-hmm. I think he he was just lacking the finishing. He did everything else you could possibly. He hit want. a post, right? Like yeah, he was exactly. He he was he uh, he was one of the lone Oilers who was actually disrupting the Rangers' breakout. And you could see Pulev has got such a long stick. He's such an effective forechecker. Uh, when he's throwing his body, when he's disrupting the defenseman, he was creating turnovers. He created turnovers early in the first season. The few Oilers that seemed to be on the game from the start. Uh, did he flub chances? Yeah, absolutely. But you know, I see Dr. Phil 69 in the chat says oh, yeah. thoughts on Pulu. Yeah, no, I, I personally thought Pulu played a fantastic game. Cause I'm with you. When, you got, for him, we got to stop looking at the score sheet, especially there's people who are, we, we all know who are going to look at his his numbers on the season. And no matter what, he could have three hat tricks in a row. They're still going to rag on him. Does not matter what the guy does. This is what I think all you can ask for from Jesse Pulu-Arvey. He played an awesome game. And... I, I know he plays good with McDavid, but there's something to be said about him being lower in the lineup because he can be such a driver and he can create such offensive pressure for the bottom lines. Having Because McDavid and Drysaddle, especially when they're together, can create without him. They don't necessarily need him. But he's someone who, when he's on the wing with a guy like Ryan McLeod or even when Ryan Eugene Hopkins is playing center or whatever, he can mm-hmm. be that secondary driver on that line and help create pressure. And I know his... PDO's trash is on a shooting percentage in the floor. 
eventually, with the chances that this guy gets, it is going to go in for him. So you gotta just be patient. I know everyone wants to ship him out of, out of town, but we gotta be patient with the guy. He's he's he. This was an awesome. And and even Woodcroft, you can tell, trust him, right? He, one minute left in the game, empty net for the Rangers. Puliarvi's on the ice. Like exactly. Woodcroft and him are slowly building up trust. He's been on the power play the last couple games, even though they didn't score. He again creating constantly. Um. Yeah, no, overall, he played good. The Oilers, it's it's so funny. This is why the team's so frustrating, and then you can let me know how you feel about it, but they oh, yeah. they, they just, they, they can come out so flat so often and then just turn it on out of the blue, and they're hitting posts and making chances and scoring goals. Like, why do you think this team doesn't play a full 60? What happens? Oh, Sorry, can you come again? I was oh. reading the chat. No, yeah, no, all good. I just said, why do you think the Oilers can't play a full 60 minutes? Oh, uh, I I wish I knew that answer. That's the million-dollar answer mm-hmm. at this point. It would be, like, at least mm-hmm. six games above 500 if we had come out within the first 10 minutes. Like, yeah, well, there's that... been so many games this year where we have just been, like, kneecapped Constantly. by the first 10 minutes, letting in one or two goals that just deflate all momentum and just nothing happens afterwards. It, it makes no sense. I don't know what's going... I, no one knows what's going on. It, it, it's something that even though we won today, it still is a major issue because the same problems that played them, and yeah, they were over to overcome it today. We gotta hope that, again, they're going back to playing a pretty good Florida team in Edmonton. They gotta get out. And they've struggled at home this year more than they struggled on the road. I know it was a close one. They almost went 0-3 on this road trip, but they were, I think, coming into the road trip 6-2 and on the road. So it's something you gotta figure out your game at home as well. And who would you go back to next game against Florida? Campbell or Skinner? Oh, you gotta go with Skinner. I think, like, uh, they've been saying it in the chat. I can't pick up names. I think some stranger mentioned it, how we would be just ripping apart Campbell and yeah if, if the reviews didn't come back like we lose this game Campbell was very shaky early on and I agree with that I think you have to go Skinner at this point it's been two games mm-hmm. I think Skinner minus his last start which was a fourth game in a row to be fair I think he's been phenomenal this season and I think, I think well, yeah. no I was just gonna say I think Skinner uh earned a chance to bounce back from that last start, right? With the pass play. Oh, 100%. Right? So, yeah, I, I, w- I would I would for sure go back to Skinner. This ha- Even though I-, I really wonder how Campbell's feeling after this game because he did allow five goals. One of the goals, goalie interference, we could say, okay, you allowed four and a half, whatever. But the Rangers didn't take many shots. He was rebound control, looked shaky. One thing I did notice, it seemed like Campbell was on his post better early in the season. I noticed a lot of when he was, the, the cross-crease passes were coming. It seemed like Campbell would sl- overslide, overcommit to a pass, and then he would lose his crease or lose the post. And then it almost seemed like every single back, you know, pass back would go in the net. That's why his high danger save percentage at one point was 400, like insanely low, right? So yeah. I, I and I, I'm not sure what his high danger percentage is now. I'd have to go on money puck to find it. But he uh, he, he definitely and I think it would have gone a little bit better. The, the Oilers, I think, as the game wore on, they definitely played better defensively. They limited those mistakes. And it's just one of those things you got to keep it up. You got to get consistent. This is the last kind of overarching question I got about about the season. But a, what a lot of has been made about Jay Woodcroft and Damanson's systems when when they when when Tippett left and Woodcroft came in uh, there was a big stink made about not giving up the blue line and it seems now all of a sudden this year 
they they just they started backing back in. The only guy who defends zone zone entries are Bouchard and Kulak. Nurse especially. Mm-hmm. Nurse could be such a good oh. zone denier, but for some Nurse reason he's all over the place. Yeah. Do you, do you think it's a systems thing? Like what do, what do you think's up with that? I think it's I've seen I think I saw you tweet it that Nurse doesn't look like he's following a system, no. and that's kind of what that's kind of what I think about it. Like Nurse has everything that should be going for him with this kind of system. I I just don't understand it. Mm-hmm. He, I I couldn't like put it onto paper. He just looks like he does. Either he doesn't care or he's following it. I, he's like he's like I, it's like it's like he's playing like some sort of weird rover. Where he, I think when he thinks too much offense, I remember when Woodcroft came in, they took him off the power play. They're like, stop thinking about offense. Your job is defense first. And when mm-hmm. he starts thinking about joining the Russian offense and whatever, he that's when he loses his play. He, I don't think he necessarily, out of all the number one defensemen in the NHL, you could say he has the best defensive awareness. But when he's that's his number one focus, he he can be sufficient in that area. But when he's trying to play, do too many different things, he loses focus on you know he loses his main area of concern, and that's when you see. And and, and Dark Fighters in the chat also makes a great point. Just go back to retirement. Campbell in eight seventy this game, not good. Yeah, another. Uh, even though I want to say for the first goal, the second goal, the first two goals, I don't think Skinner. It's any different if Skinner's in net. Like I oh yeah, especially right? that first goal. Like no no goalie is stopping that first goal where you just let Lafreniere walk around. It, it seems like as the games go on, Campbell seems to get weaker. I don't know what it is. In the, in the games we've seen, it just he starts out good. I remember against Dallas, he had a really good first period, um, and then just something happens, something goes wrong for him, and he, everything just falls apart. But I I think the goals not counting when they did were very big for Jack Campbell. Um, yeah, and the Oilers obviously had to score, uh, to, to support Campbell's effort today. Uh, I, I don't know. Campbell, like, I, I wouldn't say Campbell was a major issue tonight whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I know, I know that a lot's going to be made because of the actual number, but like the Rangers didn't take a lot of shots. They did have some decent opportunities. Campbell did make some mm-hmm. big saves. Uh, and the Oilers also, like he, he outgoaled, he played, uh, the Oilers took more shots, but I would say he played better than Shesterkin. Yeah, I'd say Shesterkin early on was just a brick wall, but he, like Campbell, he started to falter later into the game. And you know, I'd say I'd say in the third period he did. He he closed the door when he really needed to at the end. There, I was horrified during that final two minutes. Oh but... yeah, oh yeah, I I agree. There, I was definitely worried they were going to lose six three. Mm-hmm. There was just going to be a back breaking goal let in, but. Maybe them not letting in that goal is a sign of the luck changing. You know, we need that positive regression coming in. Hopefully, I mean, McDavid went is goalless now for, I want to say, three or four games. Or since yeah, the overtime winner. Um, so, so yeah, hopefully we get some more. Hyman's got to score. We need, we need this depth scoring to continue. Uh, there's a lot of things that need to go right for the Oilers to get back on track. The one thing is Calgary also sucks, and the Pacific does suck. The two, you know, a, a lot of people have made a lot about the Oilers having a hard schedule. Two of the teams with the easiest schedules and highest PDO are the Seattle Kraken and the Vegas Golden Knights. So hopefully mm-hmm. their play comes down to earth. Um, I mean, yeah. So I'm not necessarily. I was never worried about about. Uh, I was never. Like, I would say my worry for them not making the playoffs was like a 3 or a 4 out of 10. My frustration was a 17 out of 10. Because watching this team not come out of the gates hot makes me absolutely furious. Like, nothing else in my life. Like, I literally could run through a wall, punch a hole in the wall. I I, I get so visibly frustrated. It's, it's not healthy. It is not healthy. But yeah, 
Um, yeah, any, yeah, so we got about two minutes left in the, in the broadcast here. So I'll, I'll just give you an opportunity. I know at the uh, start, uh, Dennis likes to do this thing where at the end of every broadcast, you ask one thing, you can make one point, whatever you want. doesn't matter. It has to do with the game, has to do with anything you want about the Oilers. Um, I'll, I'll start so you can think of one. Uh, Jason Robertson has been playing fantastic, has now overtaken Connor McDavid in the Art Ross score, uh, trophy, Art Ross trophy scoring race. So McDavid's got to pick it up here. Uh, they, him and Drasset have slowed down off their 160 point paces, obviously to be expected. Um, but <laughs> I hope I, I really want to see McDavid win the Art Ross and I'm, I'm hoping that he, he, he does. So we'll see. Hopefully yeah. Robertson slows down. Anything, anything you want to add? Oh, just to build off you for one second, I think Dallas is going to regret not signing and do an eight-year contract at this point. Oh my god, yeah. I would have given him without thinking. I would have given him the Marner deal, like ten point nine or whatever. Uh, yeah, easily. He's disgusting. Everyone's known he's disgusting. He's better than I thought, to be honest. I didn't think he'd be this good, but he's clearly one of the best players in the NHL, and Dallas will obviously regret it. But anyways, uh, yeah, Avery yeah. says in the chat, now have to start on time Monday versus Florida. Totally agree. It's going to be very, very, very interesting. I know we're going to hear the, oh, they had a long road trip, long flight home. They always start slow the first game back, whatever. We'll see how it goes. Uh, that'll be Monday. I, I think Dennis has that game. Uh, and so I will be on there with Dennis, and we will have that to you after the game. I want to say thank you very much for joining, Eric. Uh, Eric, before we go, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at E underscore K underscore Tanner. And, yo, I got to say, thanks for having me on, guys. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, no problem. You can find me at ZWheel97 on Twitter. Guys, remember to like the broadcast, subscribe to SDPN, and we will see you Monday. Have a great rest of your Saturday. Um, Yeah. See you guys. by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.